Hey guys, this is Joe. You disloyal, fool-ass, bitch-made punk. What's up, everybody? It's Eric. You in the office, baby. Police officer! Get away from the girl! Even those sworn to protect can cross the line. That's what I'm talking about. Just let the animals wipe themselves out. God willing. Denzel Washington, Ethan Hawke. <laughs> Training Day, rated R, starts October 5th. You're listening to Worth the Leafy, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a Leafy. What's new, Joe? Nothing much, Eric. How much have you been? I've been good. I've been good. We were just talking before we started recording, but it's a big sports week here in Boston. Well, I mean, Red Sox season just started, but they're playing Toronto. And when you guys are listening to this, it'll will be a week later, but um red sox playing toronto which is a kind of a matchup of two of the better teams in the in the al east hopefully at least the red sox will be in that discussion uh and the celtics are in the playoffs and uh bruins are, are kind of winding down their season headed into the playoffs yep they yeah. clinched the playoff berth so it's a good time of year man good yeah. time of year for sports fans yep. at least for the sports fans like me who don't watch football <laughs> and I, right. I love hockey. I love baseball, and I'm like a very casual Celtics fan. So I'll, I'll watch the Celtics uh, um, playoff run. But did you ever get a chance? I just remember. Did you ever get a chance to watch that documentary I texted you about? No, I, you know what? I watched a little bit of it, but I'm gonna, fin- I'm gonna finish it. And that's, I'm going to uh, Boston um, tomorrow night, and our hotel. I'm not gonna have anything to do there, so I'm bringing some stuff, including that we have Wi-Fi thing. So I'm gonna be watching that in the, in the hotel. But I'm yeah, telling it you, looks awesome. The trailer was so good. So I shared it on the Worth the Late Fee story, but again, by the time we uh, we talk about, by the time you guys are hearing this, it'll have been long ago. But uh, the documentary is called Battered Bastards of Baseball on Netflix. And I had seen it like a year ago and I remember liking it a lot. But I think the first time I watched it, I was kind of like watching it while I was doing stuff. So I was just getting little pieces. And the other day I watched it straight through and it's one of my favorite sports documentaries that I've ever seen. And it's such a feel good documentary, especially if you're a baseball fan, but even if you're not a baseball fan, I think you'll find stuff. uh, It's just a feel good story. So highly recommend it. Yeah. I didn't realize, like I, I I knew I've heard that, like what the movie's about, but I didn't really, I don't know a whole lot about it. And like the fact that Kurt Russell, is his father or grandfather? His father. His father. father. Yeah, Yeah. Super cool. Yeah, it is. And it's, it kind of, I mean, it kind of goes with what we were talking about um, a couple of weeks ago with 61. And just like, if you really love baseball, if you really love baseball, you're going to like it even more. But I, I think that the, the way that it's done, you could just, it's a bunch of characters and cool stories. And it's really just about like guys that are kind of chasing their dream but not really because they're not really making any money doing it they just want to do what they want to do for the rest of their life it it reminded me of um when uh my brother studied abroad in australia in college we went uh i went to see him and there was a hockey rink there's at the time i think there was like five hockey rinks in all of australia and one of them was pretty close to where he lived and i remember saying i was like i would move to australia and play professional hockey in Australia for the equivalent of minimum wage. You know what I mean? Just to like live that life and whatever. Now, Australian professional hockey is nowhere near uh, the NHL or the higher level European leagues, but it's even, I, I, 
the game's grown so much I couldn't even played you know in Australian professional hockey so but I would have if I if I was given the opportunity just because that's what I like to do so um and then other than that watching uh snowfall uh new episode out tonight so I'm pretty excited for that this new this latest season's kind of picking up steam and getting interesting what about you like you said before Boston sports um I saw Fantastic Beasts in theaters, which was it was better than the second one. Probably like the the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It's the worst performing in the series so far, box office wise. So I'll be okay. interested to see what they do with it. Like if they make a fourth movie, it's been long enough where people forgot, like not for, not literally forgot about it, but people haven't missed it yet. Right, you know and, like, and it's also misleading. So, like, the first Fantastic Beast, which came out, you know, a couple years after the last Harry Potter movie, it was very much focused on Fantastic Beasts, right? And then they have the same um, name for all the other movies, which have nothing to do with Fantastic Beasts. So it's like, it's the whole, they should have just done one-off movies, I feel like, and kind of kept, like, the heading. So, if it, you know, if, the, if it doesn't work like it isn't right now, it just, they could have a one-off and be done with them once the next film. But I think they messed that up right now, unfortunately. But I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, we're gonna say no, 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 no. Go ahead, finish your. I'll tell you after. So I was gonna say the big thing that I watched that I would, I, I'm in love with. I've watched it twice now. I, I watched it twice in a three day period. Is the show Severance on Apple TV? I haven't heard of it, but I do have an Apple TV free membership right now. Did you get that from your phone? I did not get it from my phone. I got it from. I just, I don't know how I got it, but I ended up just getting it. I have a free three month membership, but then I saw that even if after my free membership, it's only four ninety nine a month. Yeah, that's such a good deal. So if I can find anything, I'm actually looking for stuff on Apple TV because it's so affordable that. I'm, but at the same time, like I need to have something that I want to watch on there. So there's a lot of stuff on that trying. I can mention the past head last, all you've heard of. Um, but Severance, though, man, oh my god, what an absolute mind trip. So I watched with my brother and. Uh, pretty much less than 24 hours we binged the nine episodes and then the next day i was like i was so obsessed with it i had to have i'd watch with pow so we binged yeah. it again um and man ben stiller directs almost every episode uh it's written by a guy named Dar- dan erickson who really hasn't done anything other than this show but oh it is so good each episode just gets better and better and better with an incredible payoff i just can't recommend it enough if you have Apple tv and you want to watch a short nine episode season it has been renewed as well so you, it will right. carry on thankfully it's worth checking out all right give it a shot but yeah between severance fantastic beasts those are my new ones and then i'm uh seeing um the oh my goodness the title's so long the nicholas cage movie so i'm seeing that next week with uh, the unbearable weight or something like that unbearable oh massive, yeah, yeah i saw it, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Um, the thing I was going to say about the Fantastic Beasts or whatever it's called is I'm just, I kind of lumped that into um, the whole s- superhero stuff. Like, I'm just, I'm all about, like, if you come out with a, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but if you come out with a, a follow-up movie or even a remake of a movie and it's like well done and not forced and um, I, I like it, but it's just so hard to find it seems like for every one interesting movie that comes out, and I don't even mean great, I mean just mildly interesting movie that comes out in Hollywood now, there's 50 that I'm just like, either I don't want to see that or I've already seen it because you've made it 15 times, you know? Yeah. 
And that's that, like that's I I don't think I mentioned this last time. I don't know if I even saw it. I've seen it after we watched uh, Pockets episode, but I saw the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, have you seen that? Have you heard that? The central? No, no. It's a twenty four film, but it's completely different, and unique. But it's unfortunately, like I said, it's not a Marvel film, so it's gonna be in theaters very quickly. Unfortunately, yeah. it won't get any recognition. But man, it was a ton of fun. There's. There's going to be a, a documentary someday on what I feel like the past, and I, and I think it'll come back, like everything, there's ups and downs and everything, but the past 15 years in film or 10 years have been, I think, the worst ever. And I think part of it, like I joke about the Marvel things or whatever, but a lot of it's like whatever, whether it's a combination of social media and whatever, everyone's attention span is crap and no one has no one wants to put in the work to watch a well-constructed movie they just want to they just want to watch stuff explode and which i love action movies and and whatever but even the best action movies have to have like this one that we're going to talk about you have to have some sort of story with it and i i i don't know and then the other thing is uh, you want to make an action movie where it's just explosions and whatever fine I'll give you 90 minutes. All the movies coming out now are action movies where there's no real substance. The story's horrible, but it's two hours and 20 minutes. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not committing that, you know, but that's why, that's why they don't like the Olympus of fall movies. And then like, those ones are perfect. A ton right, of fun. They don't pretend <laughs> right. they are what they are. Exactly. That's no, that's, that's a great point. Olympus has fallen. No one, in that involved gerard butler would tell you that it's a stupid movie <laughs> you know what i mean he would be like you want to you know ca- have a couple beers with your buddies you can half pay attention and look over every five minutes to see me like break some guy's neck and shoot another <laughs> guy it's perfect but he's not you know but the other ones that pretend like they're they're more than that or what drive me crazy do you ever see the uh and i don't, I don't want to get the movie in a second but do you ever see white house down you have right oh yeah oh yeah Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah, another fun one. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same movie. <laughs> it's the same movie. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, um, before we get into uh, what we'll be discussing, I'm drinking a beer called Two Notorious from Loaded Question Brewing. It's kind of random, but it's what I had on my fridge. I picked it up at RMA last week, and it's it's good. It's it's easy drinking IPA. So check it out if you can. I had another one of their beers. Um, not on the podcast uh called you know my i think it's called no it's not easy steez or something like that and that one i actually like better this one's good but that one i like better but anyway this movie we're talking about you guys heard the trailer you heard my quotes and joe's quotes um we're going to be talking about the 2001 crime cop action thriller training day this is my pick um like i said i think last week when i introduced it this is a 2000 movie that I've been eyeing for a while. Denzel is probably my favorite actor. Um, he has a ton of great movies, whether it's like, I mean, Malcolm X, Inside Man, Crimson Tide, Glory, He Got Game. This is probably my favorite Malcolm, uh, my favorite uh, Denzel Washington movie. Um, it's probably like this. Inside Man, He Got Game, or the top three, as far as favorite. I'm not saying those are the three best, but although I think this is up there for the best for him. Um, uh, I think I said, again, last week when I announced it, but 
this is my this is just my memory of this one one of the most memorable theater experiences of my life i saw this with my buddy adam my best friend the two of us walked into a theater about as far away from the la narcotics underworld as as you can be and we probably couldn't have picked out a monte carlo car out of a lineup and no joke we walked out and started exploring the possibility of buying a monte carlo i mean young kids won't know this but back in the day when you had you were looking for used cars before the internet was huge they would have these magazines in like gas stations or whatever that would have all the listings of cars and i remember working at we worked at a gym together and we would grab one of those free auto listing magazines and just flip through and be like all right here, here's a monte carlo we could fix it up which is a total joke because neither one of us have any automotive skills but denzel washington as alonzo was one of if not the coolest bad guys we've ever we'd ever seen and we were just like in love with the whole back and forth and then my most recent recent memory real quick is watching this with my wife and it was part of that stretch which i'm still technically on i haven't really broken that streak with her where i'm picking good movies that she likes and uh her being like pretty much like tensed up for this entire movie but then at the end of it acknowledging that it's a it's a great movie so that was a victory for me. So you said it's probably a fair Denzel movie. Is this one of your favorite movies as well? Like on like top 10 list, you think this would make it? Uh, yeah, probably. It, it's, yeah, it probably would. I, 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 yeah, it would definitely, yeah, I think it would be top 10. It, it's definitely in the discussion. Yeah. I, I just love it. I, I mean, well, I'll, we'll talk about why I love it. But one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest reasons that I love it is, you have this image of Denzel and obviously I don't know him personally, although I talk about him like I do, but he is this super talented, super likable, good looking dude. He usually plays a good guy most of the time. And then this movie just like slapped me across the face with like Denzel is the slimiest, baddest dude, but then you still kind of like, he's entertaining and you kind of like him at some point. So it's this weird, it's a weird mix. What about you? What's your memory of, of this? Not one? as good as yours. I mean, I saw this, I didn't see this in theaters. I saw it on like when I was going on the premium stations back when I was younger, like at HBO or whatever. And I watched it just randomly from start to finish on TV. And I really liked it, but I haven't seen it probably since then. In all honesty, it's been a long time I've seen training day. Um, yeah. But I familiar with David Ayer's, you know, more recent works because he's still really active. Um, like so Fast it's nice and going Furious. Back to, yeah, so it's nice to come back to. Wait, what you say? Like Fast and Furious. I mean, I was actually gonna bring that up, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you already know. Um, but yeah, so he's, you know, he's still active. So it's nice going back to seeing, going back to one of his earlier films as a writer and seeing, uh, seeing it again from start to finish. Really good. Do you have any uh, stats as far as how this one did in the bank? Yeah, so uh, Train Day came out on October 5th, 2001, and had a budget of $45 million, making $104.9 million in the box office. It was written by David Ayer, who has written and directed a lot of films. As a writer only, he's done U571, The Fast and Furious, Eric's uh, other top 10 contestant, <laughs> Dark, Dark Blue, and SWAT. Um, U571, real quick. U571, I think, is an underrated movie. I'm not, seen, talking, I'm not I talking about it. I've seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know anything about, I don't think it's historically accurate or anything like that. So before anyone sends us a message, <laughs> and 
whatever. I'm just talking pure entertainment. I think that's a good movie. Yeah, I mean, that, I, that was, I remember like the trolls that movie, like all around the submarines and all that, but like I never actually watched it. Um, yeah, we're but, the shot, but sorry, keep going. Even SWAT, I don't know if you've seen SWAT, SWAT's actually really enjoyable too. Like, again, it's yeah. going into it, it's a corrupt cops, and yep. <laughs> that's yep. what there is. Forte is clearly. Um, so, as both a writer and director, he's on Street Kings, The Very Good End of Watch, Fury, Suicide Squad, the 2016 one, and most recently, The Tax Collector. Um, Train Day was directed by Antoine Fuca, who has also directed some well-known films, such as both Equalizer films, teaming up with Denzel again, yep. Olympus Has Fallen, The Replacement Killers, and The Guilty, which you actually mentioned in the last episode. Um, most recently, he has Emancipation, which is coming to Netflix, but that's starring Will Smith and with the whole controversy that could get delayed, if it was my guess, just kind of, you don't want to, you know, you want them to blow over a little bit beforehand. Right. Um, but going over, like, his credits and all that um Antoine's credits really guilty it's pretty cool I didn't realize this both Jake and him were never in the same room like director he was never in the same room as Jake oh, okay um, so like they were like he's in a van talking to him feeding him his lines which uh-huh. as a director is pretty interesting not being you know not being there that directing your actual actors but yeah so can I can I say something a movie I wasn't crazy about not that it not that it wasn't good but I just wasn't crazy about it end of watch really okay i really liked it and i wonder if part of it is i'm like comparing it to training day a little bit or something like it's like the same space but yeah yeah end of watch i saw in new york with jake Hall actually speaking after um, oh that's yeah that's a different no, no, but, experience but it was a really cool it was i mean i really like the movie too but yeah it was just seeing like hearing the behind the scenes stuff i think i appreciate it a lot because like yeah. you know the train that he did which i'm sure like hawk did this and denzel did um yeah it's really cool seeing like these actors method acting aside because that's not cool but like getting ready for their roles like this right so did well in the in the box office um critically it's a 7.7 out of 10 on imdb 73 percent uh, on rotten tomatoes three stars from ebert and actually ebert's review is another one of those times where his review doesn't seem to line up with um his score, like three stars is a good score from Ebert. And his review wasn't really too glowing in my opinion, but I took one one uh, little snippet out of it. So, quote, a lot of people are going to be leaving the theater as I did, wondering about the logic and plausibility of the last 15 minutes. There are times when you're distracted from the action on screen by the need to trace back through the plot and try to piece together how events could possibly have turned out this way. But Ayer's screenplay is ingenious in the way it plants clues and pays them off in unexpected ways so that Training Day makes makes as much sense as movies like this usually can. It might have been better if it had stayed closer to life, but it doesn't want to be. So I thought that was I, I, the part about putting little hints and clues throughout the, the script. I, I, I like that. But Yeah, actually, that's my favorite part thing about the movie. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um. You said it came out in October of 2001. So some other yeah. things that came out, other movies that came out that month, Joyride, Serendipity, Mulholland Drive, uh, Corky Romano, From Hell, The Last Castle, Riding in Cars with Boys, 13 Ghosts, and Donnie Darko. God, I love Serendipity. I love, love, love Serendipity. It's like not a, surprising. At one point, it was like a guilty pleasure, but then it became like beyond that. It became more than a guilty pleasure. And I'm just like, 
That's the way I watch every year. <laughs> you should you should probably keep that in the guilty pleasure. But <laughs> no, no. But um, outside of theaters, um, a lot of this had to do with the after effects of 9 11 because obviously it just happened a couple weeks or a few weeks before October of 2001. So um, we'll skip over some of that stuff, but know that that was as it is today, kind of present. Um, but big one for you, Scrubs premiered in October of 2001. Oh, wow. Um, also, uh, Sammy Sosa becomes the first player to hit in the MLB history to hit 60 home runs in three consecutive seasons. Also home runs that year. Uh, Barry Bonds breaks Mark McGuire's 70 home run record and sets the new record at 72. Uh, <laughs> both of them had a lot of protein shakes. Paul Coffey retired from the NHL. Um, the Bruins retired. Ray Bork, 77, number 77. And Eric cried like a little baby, probably. Um, do you have the back of the DVD summary for training day? Yeah. Police drama about a veteran officer who escorts a rookie on his first day with the LAPD's tough inner city narcotics unit. Training day is a blistering action drama that asks the audience to decide what is necessary, what is heroic, and what crosses the line in the harrowing gray zone of fighting urban crime. Does law-abiding law enforcement come at the expense of justice and public safety? If so, do we demand safe streets at any cost? More of an interesting uh, back of the uh, duty. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the greatest description, but yeah, uh, that's okay. What are you going to do? Um, so some cast members and what they were doing coming into this movie. So there are two main cast members and we're going to talk about those first. And then I'm going to uh, mention the supporting cast because it's pretty impressive, but the main two cast members, Denzel Washington plays Alonzo. Where do I start with Denzel? So he started in TV and St. Elsewhere, also known for glory Academy award winning for uh, best supporting actor, uh, Malcolm X. He got game Mo better blues, crimson tide, man on fire, inside man, Pelican Brief, uh, Philadelphia, Hurricane, Remember the Titans, American Gangster, Flight. So quite the career. And we've talked about it before. He's also made some movies that are not uh, not aimed at winning Academy Awards, but that's fine. They're generally entertaining. Um, next, uh, Ethan Hawke is Jake, the rookie that Denzel takes under his wing or, or tries to. Uh, Dead Poet Society, A Midnight Clear, Reality Bites, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight, uh, Assault on Precinct 13, Boyhood, Gattaca, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, Blaze, and more. Um, this go ahead. Have you seen the Before movies? I have. I, well, I've seen the I've seen Before Sunrise. I've seen the first two Before okay. Sunrise and Before Sunset. I haven't seen Before Midnight. Man, like talking about like. Perfect trilogies, that is, I think, definitely up there. Like, the discussion has a perfect trilogy. Like, they don't need sequels, but it just gets right. better and better and better. All right, so I guess the third one's worth checking out. Um, Ethan Hawke, I think that this is, in my opinion, his best reacting. Well, I guess the before movies are different, but this he he was so perfect in this and we'll talk about some of the other people that were ca- possibly were going to be cast as jake and i don't think any of them could have done with ethan hawk did i think he was perfect for this one so um those are the main two characters but the supporting cast is impressive as well you've got ava mendez as alonzo's girlfriend uh dr dre as one of his crooked uh, crooked cop buddies scott glenn as roger uh cliff curtis as smiley you know him from 
there's a few of these guys that are just for better or for worse, they play a lot of like, if you're making a movie about LA gangsters, they're in it. So uh, Cliff Curtis plays Smiley. You know him from Three Kings, Blow, and more. Raymond Cruz as Sniper. You know him from The Closer, Breaking Bad, and Better Off Saul. And I always think of him from Clear and Present Danger, where he played kind of in a funny twist, a sniper. Uh, Noel, Noel Guglielmi as Moreno, most well-known for the Fast and Furious. Uh, he's actually in a, at least two or three of them where he played Hector. Peter Green. Uh, as Detective Jeff, another one of the um, crooked cop squad that, that rolls with Alonzo. Tom Berenger as Detective Gursky. Snoop Dogg is in it as a character named Blue. Macy Gray as Sandman's wife. Terry Crews as the guy who's flipping pigeons when they uh, go into the jungle, that neighborhood they call the jungle. So there's a ton of there's a ton of faces that pop up in this. Like Dr. Dre, you're gonna recognize Dr. Dre. Scott Glenn, you're gonna know Scott Glenn. But like Macy Gray. If it wasn't for her voice, she'd probably sneak by you. Um, and then there's some other guys who weren't as big at the time, but now they're a little bit bigger, like Terry Crews. Um, so it's cool. It's it's it's, it's a good cast. Um, what did you have down for the random facts? Just kind of stuff, trivia stuff. So I had uh, what I, five. So I have the line, King Kong Inca Shimi was ad-libbed by Denzel Washington. Probably one of the most recognizable lines from the movie for sure. And a line that only Denzel could pull off. Yeah. Denzel Washington has frequently said that Detective Alonzo Harris is his favorite character that he's played. Tobey Maguire was seriously considered for the part of Officer Jay Coy. He even followed under narcotics officers um, in Los Angeles for two months and gained weight for the role. He was dropped when Ethan Hawke, Fuka's first choice, was finally available for the shooting schedule. Um, the license plate of Alonzo's car is ORP 967. A nod to Officer Rafael Perez, the disgraced LAPD officer who was born in 67 and whom the character was based on. Um, and then finally, I have David Ayer was the only writer to work on the script, such a rarity that it merited a congratulatory, congratulatory call from Chairman of Warren Brothers Pictures. So it wasn't passed around from spec scripts, whatever. It was It was pretty cool. He's the only, it was his vision from yep. start to finish. That's probably why I was... It's kind of airtight in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, Do you think he wrote all, all th- throughout the script Denzel's little uh, uh like <laughs> Ma? You think nah. that this white guy's writing this in his script? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't, but it worked out. So I guess uh, he can say it. He can say he did it now. Um, you mentioned just because you mentioned um, uh, the character Rafael Perez. So. Denzel actually based his whole like look on that guy. So not just the license plate, but the whole look, which is kind of cool. And you also mentioned Toby McGuire as offered the role of Jake and he kind of started the process of it. Eminem was also offered the role of Jake, but he turned it down for eight mile. Other names that were tied to it, Paul Walker, Freddie Prince Jr., Ryan Phillippe, they all tested for Jake. Um, and, but about the casting of Jay, of Ethan Hawke, Anton Fuqua said, there's something innocent about Ethan. He's such a nice guy, but there's something in his eyes to tell you he's seen something. So of those names, Eminem, Tobey Maguire, Paul Walker, Freddie Prince Jr., Ryan Phillip, Felipe, Felipe, I can never say his name. Um, this sounds crazy, but I think out of those names, other than Ethan Hawke, 
I might have to go with Eminem. Toby Maguire, I don't believe that Toby Maguire, no offense, Toby, if you're listening, I don't believe that he could beat like a six-year-old boy in a fight. So get out of my face. Paul Walker. And he's kind of Spider-Man too. So like, that was one of like, I think like, this is like, I don't want you to picture me as Spider-Man all the time now. Like that was, that would have been like such a drastic change in like characters. Right. Right. Paul Walker and Freddie Prince Jr. Both kind of follow into the, they're too good looking. They're too, they're both good actors or well, Paul Walker's a better actor, but they're just too, I don't know. They don't fit the role. Ryan Felipe is also a good looking guy. He would have been probably out of that list after Eminem, I guess my next choice. But um, I, I think Ethan Hawke is leaps and bounds uh, ahead of the rest of them. So didn't uh, uh, Eminem get nominated for the same Academy Awards <laughs> that Denzel won? When did it not come out? Was it 2001? 2002? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, right around the same year. I don't know if. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because it's like it's fine hearing him say like he could have been in that movie. Um, because I think he won for like best actor, and then I know Denzel won as well for I believe best actor for this movie, right? And I think Denzel won. Ethan got nominated. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, few more. Uh, David Gu- David Guggenheim was originally attached to the film with Matt Damon as Hoyt and Samuel L. Jackson as Alonzo. I love Matt Damon. I love Samuel. Samuel L. Jackson, get that movie out of my face. Not the same thing at all. Um, during the scene when Jake plays cards with Latino gangsters, uh, director Antoine Fuqua gave certain instructions to the actors playing the gangsters without telling Ethan Hawke. This is done to further confuse him and add to the tension in the scene. And the last one, this just kind of goes to the authenticity of it. T. Rogers, who was the founder of the Black Peastones Bloods, gang in Baldwin Village, a.k.a. the jungle in L.A., was on set for all of the filming in his neighborhood and allowed the producers to use his neighborhood in exchange for casting gang members. So that's part of how they made this one look so legit. Yeah. Um, Stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment. We kind of talked about this really quick before we started recording, but there's a bunch of horrible stuff that happens in this movie. But I mean, it's kind of supposed to be that way because most of the people in this film aren't exactly law abiding citizens. So there's a little bit of racial stuff. There's an attempted rape. There's all sorts of bad stuff, but it kind of, unfortunately, it fits, it fits the people that are, that are doing it. So did you have anything else? No, you have very stuff summed it up. Yeah. Corrupt cops. Right. And it's a shitty like area to live in. And like, yes, it's, it's, it's it, and the watch is the same thing, right? And the watch is also LA. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird too. Cause it's like a different, I I've never been to LA other than like flying through it really quick, but it's so different than East coast cities. Like even, even it's just a different like layout, like watching snowfall now, same thing. It, they don't have the same sort of like, tall hundreds of year buildings that are hundreds of year old and they're not like triple deckers it's like a different sort of low income area but it's definitely made for some great movies some rough life for the people that live there in reality but um 
favorite scene? What do you have for your favorite scene? I have a couple that I need to mention. So um, it's normally a scene, but it's more so much the details I enjoy so much. A little hints in the movie. First off, the foreshadowing right from the start. The very first scene, Alonzo is on the phone asking Jake if he's a backup gun he can bring. Jake responds, no, he only has a department issue. And Alonzo says, good. And, that's, and that same gun almost gets him killed from the card game and becomes defenseless um, after giving his only firearm away. And then we see like the diner many use as a fake warrant. It's yes. all really smart. Yes. Like it's all comes, it all comes back. Like nothing is done without a reason after. It's like, it's no scenes waste, which is why I appreciate. It's all really smart. In the end, we find out that Hoyt was never meant to go home that night the entire time, or at least how I saw it, obviously, is Alonzo was going to pin Roger murder uh, robbery on him. And it makes you think too, because like, even if he did play along with Denzel's character, and like agreed, it still would have been pinned on him regardless. Um, taking him by Roger's house once already in the beginning, PCP in his blood so he wouldn't pass a drug screen, robbing a house for 40000 putting Hoyt in the off official police jacket, and keeping him within eyesight of the witness. It's just everything is added to Alonzo's narrative, which is just really well done. And the screenplay was just super good in that sense where it, nothing was wasted. And, and I'm going to mention some of those again later on, but yeah, Alonzo just walk, walking this like tightrope of, you know, he's got some gangsters and stuff trying to kill him on one end. And then he's got the, the cops on, on another side and he's just orchestrating everything perfectly. So it, well, up until he runs out of, runs out of room, but so yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, my favorite scenes, I have two scenes that I need to mention. Um, the first one is the opening scene in the diner one of my favorite scenes in any movie of all time because and i i i try i've said this before i try not to pick like an early scene for my favorite scene because it's like you're not even you haven't even sat down to watch the movie yet but this is one of the best intro scenes really that i can think of because within five minutes of this movie starting you you just know alonzo you don't know the whole you don't know the whole story but you know his personality you know he's rough around the edges but he's also charming and entertaining and you know that jake is like kind of pure but he's eager to impress alonzo so you don't really know how it's going to go and you go from not knowing him at all and then he does the whole thing with jake where he's like tell me a story and then he starts saying that he thinks he hooked up with his former uh law enforcement partner and then he tells hoyt to pay the bill and walks out to his car and then we get into the whole we in the office baby line that first couple minutes is just you're instantly you're like if you can think of me in the theater in 2001 i was like i'm in i'm in I'm, oh you got my attention and then <clears throat> the other one that i really like sounds weird but is the alley scene where ethan hawk is high as all knows you know, as god knows because uh alonzo just made him smoke weed that was laced with uh acid i think or lsd or whatever and um but he does the right thing he sees a girl getting raped or getting or an attempted rape saves her and ends up saving him later like you said it's all and he picks that wall puts it in his back pocket and it all comes back to something exactly and I, and I love that one because it shows you if there's a few reasons but it shows you that you can be a good guy or a good girl and still be like a badass too it's not one or the other like Alonzo's like impressed by Jake because he goes in there and he fights off two crackheads and then I also love how Alonzo tells the girl to tell her cousins to get to get back at those guys. So it's kind of like the street justice thing. And then 
uh, when he calls out the guy for what he did, because I got one of the crackheads tells uh, Denzel, he's like, suck my, you know what? And then Denzel like laughs at it at first. And then he gets him up against the fence with his gun and he's like waving his guns in his face. He's like, what'd you tell me to do? And the guy's crying in fear because he thinks he's about to get killed or get his nuts blown off. So, um, but yeah, the reason that scene is just interesting to me is at first you're like, you're like, fuck yeah, Jake. You know what I mean? The good guy doing the right thing. But then you kind of get happy and feel justice when Alonzo tells the girl to send her cousins after the guy. So it kind of leaves you being like, I don't even know if I know what the right thing to do is. And then by the time, and then, yeah. And then by the time he has a one guy up against the fence, waving his guns in his face, you're like, Alonzo, shoot him, shoot him in the head, shoot him in the nuts, whatever you got to do. And um, it's also the first moment where you see that Jake is like, what the f- i think that's the first one where jake's like what the fuck is this guy doing like this guy's he's he's on a different level so soundtrack you're gonna have a different spin on this than i do probably not better or worse but um if you like hip-hop it's tough to find a better soundtrack when alonzo says you and we in the office baby and then uh dre comes on dre and snoop amazing also cypress hill clips gangstar tupac it's like the perfect soundtrack for this movie and it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel whatever it just fits this movie so well but what do you got yeah i'm happy you covered the license stuff because i just pretty much covered the score but yeah the, the lesson music was classic hip-hop um nothing that i i i'm not obviously i don't love it but like i respect the music they chose it because it is regarded as some really some of the best um but as for the soundtrack, the score, I don't remember a whole lot of the score, but it was composed by our boy, uh, Mark Mencina, who has been talked about a lot in previous episodes, movies such as Speed, Con Air, Bad Boys, and There's a Thunder, which was composed along with uh, Hans Zimmer. Those are all that we discussed in the past. He's also done Domestic Disturbance, The Haunted Mansion, Twister, Money Train, and most recently, Cry Macho, although it is of a film coming out uh, this year called The Sea Beast. But... Yeah, license score was awesome. Um, the score itself by Mark was not as memorable. Yeah, that's fair, I think. Um, follow up on that. What would you change if you could change one thing? The ending. I think it's, I love, it left me not convinced. For a movie that was so well done script-wise, storytelling, I feel like that's such an easy way out for the writer to just kind of like not fix the repercussions that comes after and i was like an alternate ending with a quick scene with the three wise men which is a better step in that direction but still not enough for me i want to see this kind of figured out even if it's i don't want to say i want to rush but i want to see him come out as a writer i want to see him come out of this problem now and make it believable like rush was saying actually we i know it's like it's believable in the sense that this corrupt cop got away with it and whatever but it just didn't leave me really happy with that because the rest of the story is just so well done. The screenplay is so amazing. I feel like this was an easy way off the writer to kind of get around not coming, not feeling those like little gaps at the end. You know that I guess the reason that the original the alternate ending is based off of Raphael. I didn't know that going into this. I'm not sure Raphael's story, but I, you know, I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it. Does but it? I, I, well, I guess uh, Denzel Washington complained that it wasn't the ending that they had planned, which you can find online, um, where Jake just kind of like leaves the money and goes on his way in the that evidence w- room. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't um, satisfying enough. So 
See, I like this thing. I feel like it's just a cop out as a writer, which so I, I'm not sure if like, I know it's, again, it's believable in today's day and age with cops and what they get away with. But just as a viewer with a, such a tight knit script, I really want to see like what would have happened to the three wise men to the corruption to his partners, you know, to all yeah. that. Yeah. I, I mean, I go back and forth. I, I, the thing I like about this ending is I, you, is that, like I said earlier, I think Alonzo's character was kind of like, tiptoeing along this like tightrope and he eventually just like the walls closed in on him and whether it was going to be the cops or the Russians or whatever it just all caught up to him I think that and I would have been there for it I think that what you're saying would have they would have had to extend the movie a little bit longer but I would I would have been down for that so the ending didn't I wouldn't say it bothered me but I would have been open to something else so but similar to what you said as far as stuff just not being buttoned up i have a similar problem but it's for a way smaller scene so now i'm not i'm not a firearms expert i don't own a gun i've shot a gun probably like five times in my life but so if a listener again just like i said earlier if a listener knows more about guns which most people do than i do and disagrees with me feel free to send us a message worth a late view on instagram and tell me how i'm stupid but the shootout on the street after Alonzo steals from Macy Gray's character, it seems like he shot off like 75 rounds from his two pistols without changing a clip. And now, like I said, I don't know, maybe that's possible. Maybe they have like 35 round clips. I have no idea, but it just, I would have liked to see him do like a cool, like clip change or pull another gun from his back just like he's always prepared kind of like the scene when Jake catches him in the hotel room with Ava Mendez. And he's like, I want you to take the gun out of your, your left shoe or your left boot too. And then, and then he's like, you want the one on my back, my back pocket as well. And he has one. And then he still ends up having a shotgun under the bed. Like I would have liked something like that. And then I also thought it was weird. Same scene that his beautiful car that he's clearly put a lot of time and money into has a hard time starting. And he's like, he's like aware of it. He's like, oh, come on, you old, like whatever. It just seems like it didn't line up with his character where he he speaks multiple languages and he does this and he does that all to make surviving. To survive, that guy doesn't have a car that's not reliable. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was just yeah. one little thing where I was like, hmm, they could have done that whole scene and had him shoot less or had him have another gun and then just not have the have like i don't know, have another reason why they can't have the car be blocked in or something like there's not there's other ways that they could have done that in yeah. my opinion yeah for sure so if you listen to the podcast before you know that this is where we give our scores and we rate movies on a scale of one to five would you mind paying a late fee to to a late fee to keep this movie so a score of one is no you get to the diner scene and you're like denzel is basically telling Hoyt to sexually harass his former partner. You know, I'm not about that. So you turn it off all the way up to the score of five, which is you're going to keep it for an extra day or two or three. So you can watch it with your friends, uh, maybe even just buy it from the video rental store. So this is my pick. So Joe's going to go first. Um, Joe, how are you scoring training day? I go to four out of five. Uh, this movie's considered a classic and for good reason. The writing is really smart as is, it's mostly planned out from start to finish. Like we talked about, no scenes are wasted. Little hints are carried throughout the film. Um, I do wish that that Ryan kind of carried over into the ending, in my opinion, and give us more of a close. Um, just feels like an easy way out of that. 
but doesn't take away from the script and writing that comes before this at all. The actors are all amazing in their roles with deserved nominations and Academy wins. And this film still holds up today, probably even more so with all the corruption that's been kind of shown to the world in the, re- in the recent years and months. Um, but yeah, this movie's an easy recommend for sure. Now I have to ask, you watch this with Pow? Yeah, uh, she fell asleep, so no. I, I, damn it, Pow. <laughs> You watch the first half. You watch Joe's <laughs> shitty movies and you fall asleep with Denzel on the screen. I'm just kidding. I love you, Pat. but um, yeah. So I I pretty much agree with what you said that what sets this movie apart for me is the details. It's easy to get lost in the stuff that's like right in your face, like Denzel being such a badass, and then also kind of like charming and likable in weird moments. Jake doing the right thing. Ava Mendez looking like Ava Mendez. But um, <clears throat> I think what makes this a gold standard for movies like this is, is the details. Like you said, on the way out to the car, Alonzo tells Jake to grab that Chinese food menu off the windshield. That becomes his warrant later when he goes to Macy Gray's house or Macy Gray's character's house. Jake saves some random girl in the alley, ends up being the right random girl to save. It saves his life later. Um, and then even in that scene, he starts to walk away. And the only reason he turns around is the crackhead yells one more thing at him. So he turns around, notices the girl's like wallet thing on the ground and picks it up. So it's like he, Jake, just like Alonzo, although it wasn't his fault, Jake was walking a tightrope too. And if he had turned either way, if he had done anything different, he would, he'd be dead. So Alonzo, like you said, gets Jake to smoke weed that's laced with, with uh, LSD and, and kills Roger and then gets Jake to take the blame by saying, You've got drugs in your system. They're not going to believe you. And then after they kill Roger, this is a cool little thing to do to notice in the rewatch. After they kill Roger, Denzel's on a phone call in his car as Jake walks towards the car. And Denzel's on the phone says, just make sure that bathtub is clean. And he's literally, you know, that he's talking to the gangsters that are about to try to kill Jake. And then Jake gets in the car and he says with a completely straight face, 100% like in a convincing way, that Jake could be the next, Jake could take his position. Jake could be the next Alonzo and whatever. And you're so much better than all my other guys. And so it's like, he can, he can tell, he can tell someone that they're going to kill you and slaughter you in their base, in their bathtub. And then right away, look at you with, and you'd have no idea. He's just so good at being that guy. So everything, like I said, story's just so buttoned up, no loose ends, soundtrack's perfect. Um, it's filmed exactly where it should have been filmed. No shortcuts. Denzel and Ethan Hawke bring their A game. I gave it a five out of five. I think um, because this movie is different, it doesn't get the credit it deserves from some people. I think if this is an Italian undercover cop guy or, or dealing with a mob or an Irish cop in like South Boston or Hell's Kitchen, it would have it would have a higher score and more people would be fans of it. I'm not necessarily saying it's like a, a racist thing it's it's just that those paths have been paved like the italian mob movie has been done and there's certain things that you can do and there's cast members you can get and you're going to get a you're going to do well this one's more of its own thing so but it paved the way for a lot of things that we see now so that's its own thing but yeah five out of five uh loved it probably is in my top 10 favorites um Follow us on Instagram, worth a late fee. Suggestions are always welcome. If you send one in, we'll try to cut it to the front of the line. We'll be back next week. Training day was my pick. So Joe's up next. Joe, what are we watching next? 
So as fans of video rental stores, we've all heard or read this before. We'll be discussing the film Be Kind Rewind. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a out of nowhere pick, but okay. That's a good pick. I've seen it in a while, but I used to love it. So. I, I don't know that I've ever... I know I have seen it because it's got most deaf in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love most deaf. And okay. Andre directed it, who uh, is on like Eternal Sunshine. And yeah. All right. We'll be back next week, guys, with Be Kind Rewind. As always, thank you.